Welcome once again to another wacky and zany episode of Indie Comics. I am your host, Jeff, and I'm pretty sure you've heard me a time or two on the Grand Geek Gathering, on Many a Spot, and just whatever other shows you've had the pleasure of listening to. Today is July 1st, 2015, and let us just see who else is with me this fine day. Hi, this is Tyler. And this is Jeff. Without further ado, let us broaden your horizons now when visiting your local comic shop with another dose of Indie Comics with Jeff. Now, for selected comics for week of July 1st, 2015, starting with Antarctic Press. The Little Match Girl, number one, which is a one-shot by Rod Espinosa, who provides both the interior story as well as the artwork. It's a definite must for lovers of steampunk and, Han- and the famous Hans Christian Andersen story. But unlike the sad story and the sad conclusion that that story goes into, it actually serves as a plot to see who is that there is a darker entity causing her pain. So definitely look out for this if you're into steampunk and if you love those dark tales by Andersen himself. From Bongo, we have Futurama Comics number 75 by Ian Boothby and James Lloyd. See what happens when the Planet Express is destroyed and the crew resorts to taking refuge in a makeshift craft made out of none other than Bender himself. That's like a dark synopsis for a Futurama comic. That's a very dark synopsis. <laughs> and to be quite honest, I would not be surprised if they have many HAL 9000 references throughout just, that whole thing. I don't know. Now, with Dark Horse, we have Barbed Wire Number 1 by Chris Warner and Pat Olive. See the all-new adventures of Steel Harbor's sexiest bombshell bounty hunter in this latest ongoing. Of course, we're all familiar with her from that god-awful Pam Anderson movie back in 1995, but she has been around with Dark Horse for a lot longer, and she's one of uh, one of the iconic um, Dark Horse characters. So if you're really into that bombshell type, or if you love bounty hunters for that matter, I mean, this was pretty much the blonde bounty hunter before there was the dog, basically. You know, if that's what you're into, go out and get barbed wire number one. Now, with Image, we have Eight House Arclight number one by Brandon Graham and Miriam Churchland. Now, for all those who love fantasy-driven plots, plunge into a world where a female noble hiding on the outskirts of her kingdom and possessed by an alien root body finds out the alien monster who has taken her place has returned and what decisions she must make in order to gain her place back in society. From Vertigo, we have American Vampire Second Cycle Number 8 by Scott Snyder and Rafael Albuquerque. Now, Skinner and Calvin are leading the space race back on Earth... Felicia and Pearl penetrate Area 51 to unlock secrets about extraterrestrial life. But what exactly do they find? Find out in American Vampire Second Cycle, number 8. You told me about that comic. It is an excellent comic, actually. It's, I consider it to be even finer than Scott Snyder's work on Batman currently, to be quite honest. I think this is his magnum opus. This is what I'll be looking at when I go to Comic-Con. Yes. Look for, right. Amer- look for American Vampire. Look for all the trade paperbacks you can, because this is what I consider to be his finest work. Switching gears, let's go to Blast from the Past, reviewing an oldie but goodie. But in this case, it's an oldie that's actually still going on. We are going to be looking at Witchblade, which started in November of 1995, but is currently still ongoing. Wow, now, 20 years. Yeah, almost 20 years, and there's going to be a big reason for this 20 years coming up, but you guys will find out about that. Now, it's an ongoing comic book series that was created by Top Cow imprint editors Mark Silvestri and David Wool, as well as writers Brian Haberlin, Christina Z, and artist Michael Turner. The story covers the adventures of NYPD police detective Sarah Pizzini, who comes into possession of the Witchblade. Now, the Witchblade is a magically self-aware artifact in the form of a gauntlet which, when bonded to a host, grants said host incredible supernatural powers. Now, it's currently collected in 25 collected trade paperback editions and two oversized hardcovers, but that's just some of the issues. There's going to be more hardcovers coming out. Currently has a run of 185 issues under various writers and artists teams 
with their specific runs. The longest run done during this um, entire ongoing so far was under Ron Mars, who penned the issues from number 80 through 150 and returned again with issue 170 and is currently still on the book. Wow. And many and many consider that to be the finest moments of the book in of itself is under Mars's tenure. Now, this book really gained spotlight into the mainstream media when it was adapted into a television series on TNT lasting two seasons from June 2001 to August 2002. And if I'm not mistaken, that was born out of the fact that it started as a TV movie. I had no idea. In, in 2000, yes, Yancey Butler plays a titular character, actually. She plays Detective Bazzini. Never heard of it. Okay, you're going to have to I mean, get... I've heard of the comic. I never knew... Yeah. Yes, you are. To a TV show. Yes, check. Yes, check. I don't know if it's on Netflix, but I'm sure it's somewhere on the net that you can definitely find there. It was definitely. It, it was good for its time. Now, it was also adapted into an anime series in an agreement between Top Cow and Japanese animation studio Gonzo, and it lasted for 24 episodes from April to September of 2006. That I do remember. Yes, and then also a manga apt- adaptation was contracted between Top Cow and manga publisher Kodansha in 2006, but bears only some resemblance to the Top Cow plot in that different characters play the pivotal roles. There was also, amazingly, a Japanese novel adaptation that was even made. It's titled Witchblade Ao no Shoujo, which was written by Satoshi Ichikawa, and the artwork was done by Makoto Uno, and is universally tied into the manga and anime stories. They all share a shared universe. And the good thing about that they had Makoto Uno do the artwork for this novel adaptation is that he had done runs on the um, Witchblade series for Top Cow. So it was actually a very good choice for him to work on this novel as well. But... Here's a little bit of a sad um, news for you folks. President of Top Cow, Matt Hawkins, has revealed this month, earlier this month actually in June, well, last month actually, that the ongoing series Witchblade will end this upcoming October to coincide with the 20th anniversary celebration of the series' release, but has hinted at a later relaunch. Many who have been on the book will return to contribute to the final issue. I'm pretty sure Mars is coming back, and any and all writers and artists that have worked on the issue during its 180-something issue run, but it's going to center plot-wise around Detective Pizzini trying to find a worthy successor to the Witchblade. And that's what I'm assuming will be the center of the relaunch, will be who will be the new Witchblade and who's going to take on the new responsibility. Much in the same way that we obviously have a new Thor being able to wield the hammer right now. So hopefully that's the direction that they're going, I can't honestly say, but... I do say that, you know, if if a book's been going on for 20 years, that's definitely a milestone, people. This comic has a huge fan base. Like, every single convention I go to, people have the most elaborate cosplaying costumes. Oh, there are, oh, I can name off a couple off the top of my head that are just amazing that do a good uh, Pizzini type of Witchblade. And yes, it does have a very strong fan base following. And many can, and many put up Pizzini, the Witchblade, as being right up there with other iconic female superheroes, such as Wonder Woman, Power Girl, Supergirl, all of, all of the above. I, I love her characterization. I love her personality. Yes. Like every time I've read any issue, she's such a strong, great character. Exactly. And I think that's why I think it was actually a very novel choice when the creators made her. They made her a police detective that came across this particular supernatural artifact. Much in the same way that, you know, eventually we found the Spectre came to be in the pages of DC Comics. Yeah. Which I think is actually a real good approach to do because it shows that they're a hardline type of person that doesn't take any crap from anybody, that they get the job done, they do it by the book, and now they get one great superpower as a result. We have looked at this great book, but let's look at one of the people behind this particular book by looking at our next section, Artist Spotlight, Who Dat? 
This week, we are looking at Mark Silvestri. He's a comic book creator, writer, and artist most famous for the founding of Top Cow Publishing, an imprint of the Image Comics label. Silvestri got his love of comics specifically from his cousin, who is an avid collector, and he became enmeshed in the classical work of luminaries such as Jack Kirby, Bernie Wrightson, John Buscema, and even later on has gone on to say that Wrightson, Buscema, and even Frank Frazetta, who is actually one of my personal artistic idols of all time, as his artistic influences. That is a great list. It's a great list. In order to, and I mean, just coming up and coming into your own, finding these guys for the first time, it's just amazing. I mean, we love these guys already. Just imagine for one like him in which those luminaries were still living and breathing. I mean, it's just it's just amazing. Now, he began his comics career doing artwork for DC as well as another um, imprint. I'm not sh- they I think they're defunct now, but they're known as First Comics. And eventually came into Marvel about the late 1980s. I want to say about 1987 to pencil issues for Uncanny X-Men and the spinoff Wolverine title. In fact, I think his X-Men run was from about 1987 to 1992. That's a pretty long run. Who just started the comics. Exactly. And that was during a golden age, too, because that coincided, as we know, during the time that we all eventually were exposed to X-Men with the animated series that Fox had back in that day, Yep. which I still say is the best X-Men animated series that has ever been made so far. The first issue he is credited with, at least according to my research people, the first that he is credited with is DC's House of Mystery number 292 from May 1979. And that had to have been when he was at least 20 years old because he was born in 1959. So you have to understand that is a pretty young age to be penciling one of your first issues. That is pretty awesome. That's more than 36 years ago now that you would do your first comic. And like I said, I'd really dug deep for this. And I also found a lot of contradicting stories because some people said that his first was actually Marvel's Conan the Barbarian, but that's a 1982 issue, so I really had to dig deep. So hopefully that is an accurate piece right there, but that's the earliest one that I was able to find in which Silvestri had a part in the creative process. He was part also of the image revolution that we have talked about in previous series of Indie Comics with Jeff, in which he was in league with other creators of his time, especially from Marvel, the likes of Jim Valentino, Wilson Portacio, Rob Liefeld, Jim Lee, Eric Larson, as well as Todd McFarlane. All of them cutting their teeth, getting their start, their big starts within Marvel, and eventually saying bye to the big two and starting their own company. And from that, we got Image Comics. Eventually, under Image Comics, he created an imprint label known as Top Cow, of which he is currently the CEO. And he has several series that have been attributed to this. He has the Hunter Killer series. He has the Darkness attributed to him. Witchblade is obviously another one, but the series that was its flagship title that it started out that he's probably more known for anything else is Cyberforce. Yes. This is something that more people seek out of anything that's Silvestri than anything else that I can name, with the exception maybe of Witchblade. People will just seek that as much as people seek Liefeld's Young And Blood. Darkness. And Darkness. Darkness, I would say, probably would, would hold the bronze medal. But Cyberforce... So really good. Oh, yeah. It's excellent. But Cyberforce is pretty much the gold when it comes to getting anything either from Silvestri, wanting to get it signed by Silvestri. Cyberforce is just up there. Some of his most resounding successes in the imprint include, like I said, the Witchblade title, includes the Darkness, 
includes Inferno Hellbound, as well as Fathom. Now, the interesting thing about Fathom is that was actually also a co-creation of the now deceased artist Michael Turner. And his company eventually came out of Top Cow to form the imprint of the, the company that we know nowadays as Aspen Entertainment. And Fathom still goes on under that label, actually. But it had its start under Top Cow, under Mark Silvestri and, and our poor deceased uh, Michael Turner. He had come briefly back to Marvel in the later 2000s to do some artwork for the X-Men issue, for X-Men issue specifically Grant Morrison's run, but he also did storylines during the X-Genesis storyline, I believe it was called, and also the, I believe it was the Mutant Nation in the later 2000s, I want to say about 2008. I forget the titles exactly, but he was real good at doing that. But he also had cover art for various books, including Incredible Hulk, which is one of my most prized books that I have in my personal possession, and many others. He's credited currently with 966 issues total throughout his career. That's, you know, that's that's quite a lot. I mean, that's coming near the 1,000 issue right there. And is currently throughout his career thus far and continues to be a hard worker in the industry as both the CEO of Top Cow, as well as punching out more titles for his imprint. He's I mean, a it, very hard worker. Oh, it's... it's he he's constantly busy it's why if you're ever able to get a moment with him just to talk consider it something to be proud of because that's something that just doesn't happen every day and the same goes regarding you know his artwork i mean at cons he often would give freebies i remember going to kamikaze back in 2013 and i must have gotten one of his last freebies that he was ever able to do and i'm so happy because it was a striker from cyberforce that he did the new age striker not the old one from the 90s but i went a little bit more new school than old school he works hard and you can see it just in his artwork because he is very well known for his intricate penciling style and attention to detail. In fact, one thing that's funny is sometimes when you look at his tweets or his later posts that he does on Facebook, he shows some of his artwork in progress. Some people always like to tease him and say, you know what, not enough lines. You need to do more lines. And the thing is, he's so detailed with what he does already. It's like, how many more lines can you put on there before it just looks ridiculous so <laughs> I, I love his art so. oh he, 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 it's 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 second to none but he's also done some non-comics work as well including co-directing johnny nitro with thomas jane he's also he was also the executive producer for the tnt witchblade series as well as the movie and this i did not even know he was also executive produce an executive producer for the 2010 18 reboot film <gasps> That's amazing. Which I which I never even heard of. And he was also an associate producer for The Covenant, but he's also written numerous episodes for the Witchblade series, both for TNT as well as the anime and television movie. And he's also written numerous episodes for the X-Men animated series as well. And That's obviously awesome. that and obviously that coincided from the time that he was writing well, when he was penning and penciling issues for X-Men during yeah. that late eighties to early nineties period. I mean that was that was right around the same time, so it makes sense that they would have the same guy contribute to that as well. So in a nutshell, guys, that is Mark Silvestri. If you haven't heard about him by now, well then you're just plain deaf. Because that is one concise amount of information right there, and I've given you practically every reason why this guy rocks. He's a legend. Now, thanks for tuning in. You can check out our other shows and offerings available on iTunes and podbean.com. Please rate and review us. Please send any comments or questions to grandgeekgathering at gmail.com. Stay updated and informed by following us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitch TV. This show has been brought to you by the Grand Geek Gathering Network. Have a great Independence Day this weekend, people, and GGG! Mark Silvestri. Mark Silvestri.